Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Season 6 of I Heart Movies, Season 5 of Every Version Ever, Season 3 of the Disney Movie Marathon, and Season 1 of I Heart Animation. Or is it Season 6 of I Heart Animation? Or Season 7? Kind of? More on that later. New podcast episodes will be coming soon. I'm mostly taking January off, and probably part of February. I'm recording a whole bunch of brand new episodes to build up a good stock before I officially come back. But before we ease back into things, I wanted to do like a recap of the previous year, both in terms of my podcast and in terms of my favorite things from last year, as well as some announcements for 2024. Plus, I have a few guests joining me later, so stay tuned. In previous years, I've tried to do a year-in-review podcast in a variety of ways. A top 10 list, a best and worst movies, I tried ranking every movie I saw in the theaters, I did an award-style episode with Eli Sanza for all our favorites in a bunch of categories. Every year I've tried something different, but I think I've finally settled on the way I want to approach this. Last year, as part of my 2022 look back, I did a segment towards the end about what I'd watched in the previous year. This year I'm making that the feature of the episode, and I'm inviting guests to join me. So to start, I'm just going to give you a bunch of random recommendations from last year that were memorable to me for a variety of reasons. And as usual, all the 2023 animated features will be ranked in their own episode at a later date with Katie Fabric, and I don't want to give away what that ranking will be, so here are some of my favorite films of 2023, animation and live action, in no particular order. Suzume, the latest film from Makoto Shinkai, is amazing, and it somehow managed to make its way to our small town theater in the middle of nowhere. We're an hour away from the nearest actual city. We never get limited releases of foreign films. I went with my cousins Shana and Sasha, as well as Shana's husband Eric, and we all loved it. Sasha ended up going back a second time, and I would have joined her, but I had to work that night. I don't think it's out on DVD yet, but Sasha, Sarah, and I recently watched it again on Crunchyroll, so it is available to stream, and I highly recommend you check it out. Another limited release film that I loved was JK Studios Go West. My cousins and I have been big Studio C fans for years, so when Sarah and I went on vacation to Utah at the same time that this was getting a limited release exclusively in Utah, we had to go, and I about died laughing. It's a period piece about a group of pioneers going west, but it is chock full of the absurdest humor that Studio C and then later JK Studios have become known for. Also, while I was in Utah visiting Rachel Wagner, she and I went to see the Barbie movie, and it was hilarious. I love that thing so much more than I thought I would, and it's definitely one of my favorites for the year. Another movie I had to travel to see last month, Hayao Miyazaki's quote-unquote final film, The Boy and the Heron from Studio Ghibli. An absolutely beautiful film, even if at times it was a little hard to follow, but 100% worth seeing on the big screen if it's still playing near you. It probably isn't one of my favorite Studio Ghibli films, but it is so much better than the most recent CGI outing with Earwig and the Witch was disappointing to say the least. The Boy and the Heron was absolutely returned to form for the studio, and I can't wait to see what Miyazaki's next final film will be. Also right up there, of course, Cross the Spider-Verse, sequel to 2018's Into the Spider-Verse. This movie fully lived up to the high expectations set by the previous one, and maybe even surpassed them. It was amazing. Also amazing, at least to me, was Pixar's Elemental. This movie did not have a strong opening at all, and for a while everyone was calling it a flop, but I loved it. I actually went to the theater to see it twice, and I almost never do that. Thankfully, Elemental ended up having legs and eventually became something of a hit, but it certainly took a while before the general public discovered what I saw in it from the start. It's just a wonderful film. Another wonderful film, in a completely different way, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That one was shockingly emotional, but also absolutely hilarious, as well as disturbing and terrifying. It just completely ran the gamut of emotions and maybe my new favorite Marvel movie of all time. 
And one of the last films I saw last year, Merry Little Batman on Amazon Prime, was shockingly smart and hilarious and one of my absolute favorites. Even though we're past the holidays, you should definitely go watch it. It's so funny. In the TV realm, like usual, I've been so bad at keeping up with things. I'm so behind on all Marvel television. So far, the only thing I finished recently was Loki, but that was very good. A bit baffling, timey-wimey, confusing, but really good nonetheless. And speaking of timey-wimey, Doctor Who was back this year. I actually watched every Doctor Who special as soon as I could after it released, and I'm not usually one that's right on top of TV like that. But I love Doctor Who, and if things stay the way they were for these specials, it will definitely be a return to appointment television for me. Ten and Donna were my favorite Doctor Who pair back in the day, so to have them reunited for the 60th anniversary was absolutely amazing, and the way they closed out the final anniversary special was far beyond my wildest expectations. I absolutely loved it. Perfection. Ten out of ten. No notes. It actually made me want to start the Doctor Who rewatch podcast, but I absolutely do not have time for that, so I am not doing that. At least now. Maybe in the future. I still like the idea. Anyways, also, Shudigawa, absolutely fantastic as a new Doctor. Can't wait for more with him in the next year. Aside from Doctor Who, the only things that I've managed to specifically make time for and view as appointment television as it aired has been Star Wars, and I've loved everything this year. The Bad Batch just keeps getting better. Mandalorian Season 3 was so much fun. Yes, even the weird Lizzo and Jack Black episode. And of course, my favorite thing of the year, Ahsoka. Ahsoka has been my favorite Star Wars character for years. I'm so happy to see her in more things, and I can't wait for Season 2. One show I did watch in its entirety, unrelated to anything else, The Muppets Mayhem. That show was everything I wanted in a new Muppet show. And of course, they canceled it. Sometimes it really sucks being a Muppet fan. Everything you love will be canceled or forgotten. But on a lighter note, one thing I wanted to add to this recommended section this year is contributions from my friends. So before we move on to things from me, here are a few more favorites from a bunch of my friends, starting with Nikki, aka Trivial Theater. Alright, so my list of must-sees for 2023 include a little movie that really has only been on the festival circuit. Um, I actually caught it at a film fest, and I hope more people talk about it because it is so fun and just bonkers. But it's called Hundreds of Beavers. And as of recording this, they are coming out with some kind of a big announcement here in the next couple of days, which is hopefully some kind of distribution or physical media or something. But basically, it's a silent movie. Like, there is grunts and laughs and all kinds of stuff that's in it. But it is very much otherwise a very traditional silent movie. But it incorporates uh, kind of a story from, like, the 1800s where this guy is... um a drunk apple salesman and all of these beavers basically destroy his entire orchard and it leaves him homeless. And so he's out wandering in the wilderness and every single animal that he runs across is like a mascot. So it's like if you took like a college mascot, took off the clothes and just made them like wilderness animals, but it is incredibly ambitious. It's done by a very small team. <laughs> it crosses Looney Tunes, silent movies. It is just the most random and bizarre thing that i've seen and i it was so much fun so unexpected and this thing needs more eyes on it um check it out on twitter or um youtube there's a trailer up it is just i can't explain it well and i feel bad because it is an incredibly fun experience and i hope more people see it because it is just you expect bugs bunny to pop up it is so goofy <laughs> um but incredibly done and the work that went into it was incredibly amazing so highly suggest it uh, my next one is called The Conference, which is a Swedish movie. Um, it's on Netflix. Uh, basically, uh, it's kind of in the realms of the um, uh, Office Uprising. 
It's a bit gory. It's very much a horror movie. But uh, you follow this uh, group from an office that's on a retreat, and uh, they have to survive against like an unknown killer. It, there's a lot. <laughs> it's a bit dark, but it is really fun. Kind of a, I guess, horror comedy for lack of a better term. But the kills are really interesting. It is a funny movie. Um, and if you can do subtitles, it's an amazing thing to check out. Next one is The Holdovers. Uh, Paul Giamonti, uh, I'm pretty sure most people have heard of this one. Uh, Paul Giamonti is fantastic. It is such a fun movie. Um, everyone else that's in it, uh, the other two leads, and I apologize, I'm I'm blanking on their names right now, but they're both incredible. It's just a really awesome story. I mean, there's not a lot of flashbang. It's just three people trying to survive Christmas together at this prep school and kind of their adventures. There's a lot of growth. It's set in the 70s. Uh, it's very period accurate. It's incredible. Uh, let's see. Next one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I was taken aback by how good the animation was on this. I went to see it with my friend's kids and I wasn't expecting this to be so good. It just like uh, Cross the Spider-Verse is awesome, but this is almost next level. I don't know. Like I've seen a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff and this just, I don't know. It was something very different and I think quite special. And uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely something to check out. The last thing is The Fall of the House of Usher, which is a Netflix series, um, just a limited kind of run miniseries. I think it's eight episodes or eight one hour episodes. It follows the Usher family uh, kind of through this series of very strange experiences. The entire thing was based off of Edgar Allan Poe's body of work. And you can tell that they took the time and effort to really do the series justice. They, the little, if you know anything about Poe's work, have seen the Corman movies, have read the books, any adaptation that may have come down, they so lovingly insert all of these references in. But the thing is, you don't have to know Poe. You can enjoy the series as you go as well. So highly suggest it. It is gory. It is a horror kind of thing, but it is excellent. Hi, today I am delighted to give you my top five favorite films of 2023. This is Rachel's Reviews. And uh, my top five favorites are Robot Dreams, delightful animated film about a dog that builds his friend, best friend robot and have their adventures. It's really cute. Uh, number four, I have The Taste of Things. This was an absolutely beautiful romance. Two people that work at a manor of some kind and uh, they make absolutely delicious looking food and they love each other and it's just beautiful. Number three, I have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Absolutely loved this coming-of-age story. It was authentic. It was real. It was moving. I loved the cast. Number two, I have The Holdovers, a perfect film. Uh, I absolutely loved the script, all the performances. It was Christmas. It was perfect. Uh, and my number one favorite film of 2023 is Red, White, and Royal Blue. This is one of the best rom-coms I've seen in years. The chemistry was so good, and uh, it was just such an enjoyable, happy, joyful film. So I loved it. So that's my favorites. Hi, Jonathan. I'm calling in on my 90s telephone microphone because 2023 kind of blindsided me, and building a lo-fi microphone out of an old telephone and an XLR cable was, I feel, quite cathartic. 
Anyway, I hope you're well, and I wanted to give you my top five things of 2023. You know, get a little light working in with the dark. So, kicking things off, I'll get the somewhat grislier entry out up front. One of my favourite horror movies of the year, and a genuine surprise, honestly, was Saw X. I only recently caught up with the Saw franchise, and honestly, I don't feel like I was missing out. It's very lore-heavy, quite unpleasant for the most part, and has way more misses than it does hits. But Saw X came out just after I finished my marathon, so I figured I might as well check it out, and I wasn't disappointed. The film airlocks about 90% of the lore, sets it between the first and second films, and plays it out more like a bitter drama than a torture-heavy sleaze-fest. There's still plenty of nastiness to be had, but story comes first with this one, and I thought the character pieces given to Tobin Bell, combined with some genuinely exciting twists and turns, were simply quite wonderful. It's easily the best of the franchise, and it can be watched either as part of the other nine films or on its own. It's that loosely tied to the other films. And the new direction it takes the series in was, to me, genuinely quite refreshing. This year also saw the return of one of my all-time favourite TV shows, Doctor Who. With three anniversary specials to celebrate 60 years since the show's initial broadcast, The Star Beast, which was an adaptation of an old Tom Baker comic strip, Wild Blue Yonder, an experimental story about doppelgangers at the end of the universe, and, for me, arguably the best story of the season, The Giggle. A high-octane treat, The Giggle marked the return of the Toymaker, a villain not seen since the mid-60s who's known in Doctor Who as a race referenced to as either the Guardians or the Celestials. Beings that are made of the very fabric of the universe itself, who have the power to literally control any and every aspect of the universe, no matter how big or small. The Toymaker himself is a being who loves manipulating the universe, but has a strict moral code that any and all changes can only be enacted as a result of winning or losing a game. Be it board games, cards, video games, if it's playable, the Toymaker will abide. Across these anniversary specials, David Tennant and Catherine Tate have been simply delightful, bringing some much-needed energy to the series after the Jodie Whittaker-Chris Chibnall era started to get way too bogged down in lore and emotional set pieces. I felt the story was lively, incredibly well-directed, Neil Patrick Harris as the toymaker was an utter delight, the pacing was excellent, and the new elements brought into the show were both welcome and interesting. While, to me, these specials didn't exactly signal Doctor Who in 2023, to me personally they felt a bit more like a throwback to 2009, I think the show really needed to pull up a safe and solid base in the first instance to help shore up the remaining audience and begin to pull new folks back in. I loved it a ton, and even better was to come. Meanwhile, back at the cinema we had Barbie probably my favourite movie of 2023, simply for how willing and keen it was to pull the rug from under an unsuspecting theatre-goer. I went into Barbie expecting a ditzy and cheesy comedy good time with a slight adult swim undertone. What I wasn't expecting was for it to be a highly acidic in humour and hearty mixture of lighter-than-bubblegum cheer and utterly morose drama and sadness. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were superb in role as Barbie and Ken, the direction was superlative, I loved the border German expressionist tone of the set design, it was a film aimed at teaching little girls and young women to stand up against toxic masculine traits, but for most of my year all I heard was armies of men and young boys suddenly receiving a wake-up call to check themselves. This is one of the few films that I've been to see in the cinema multiple times whilst it was on its initial run, and I have zero regrets. I'd nabbed the 4K release of this thing as soon as it came out. With a great attitude, an awesome soundtrack, and killer looks, it really was my film of the year, honestly. 
Not to see the year out with a whimper, however, Christmas Day again saw the return of Doctor Who, and this time The Church on Ruby Road, the first outing for the 15th Doctor, Shuti Gatwa. And man oh man did he leave a mark. Cool, suave, and just a slight twinge of nervous awkwardness, the man won me over in the role within about ten minutes of him being on screen. Ruby Sunday was a delight for her time on screen as well. She reminded me of Clara Oswald, an 11th or 12th Doctor companion, just without all the baggage of the whole universe revolving around her. The story was lightweight, fun, and I loved the new elements of fantasy slowly being introduced into the Who universe. With the goblins being fun little villains of the piece, and the Goblin King song being cheesy and a bit cringy in parts, but you know what? It's an earworm. It stays in your head for sure. And with the new series landing in May, I am beyond excited to see what this pair are going to get up to. I have a good feeling on this one. And my final thing that I loved in 2023? Well, it's not totally media related, but I'm a total sucker for General Mills' monster cereal line. Count Chocula is the quickest way to my heart, and I love the cheesy seasonal flair that they bring to the breakfast table. Well, this year they brought it back with a new monster, Caramella Creeper. With not being sure how long it would stay on the shelves for, or if it would just be a one-year deal, I reached out to Trivial Theatre who secured me a box of it, alongside some chocula for my troubles, where she shipped it to me, no muss, no fuss. The packaging is awesome, it smells delightful, and if it's anything like Fruit Brute's recent revival, I reckon I'm going to be in for a really good time. So, a belated Happy New Year from me and my 90s telephone mic. I hope you all have an awesome 2024, and, uh, I'm, uh... I'm going to go grab myself a bowl of Caramella Creeper now. Ooh, and I can watch Barbie. Bye! Before we move on to the next guest, I had to jump in here and say, when Dan mentioned Caramella Creeper as one of his favorite things from the last year, my jaw literally dropped. He had no way of knowing this, but I know who designed that character. I'm related to them. General Mills uses the design firm Ultra Creative for their packaging designs, and last summer, Shayna and Eric and I went to visit my cousin, second cousin, my mom's first cousin. I just call him my cousin. My cousin Kyle Jensen is the creative director at Ultra Creative, and when we went to visit last summer, he showed us a bunch of things he'd been working on recently, including the, at the time, unannounced character, Carmela Creeper. I just thought that was kind of a hilarious coincidence that her cereal was one of Dan's favorite things of the year, and I'm related to the person who designed her. Okay, back to more recommendations. Here's my friend Carmen, who has actually been a big help behind the scenes, editing a few episodes for me last month. I would not have gotten through all those holiday special episodes without her. So thank you, Carmen. So my top five recommendations uh, from 2023, I'm going to start off the list with Elemental Mission Impossible, just because I think they got overshadowed by Spider-Verse Barbie Oppenheimer hype. Elemental is amazing visually very stunning the love story is heartwarming it's just so good and i hope pixar does more romantic comedies because i think they have a knack for it um it needs to be explored more mission impossible dead reckoning sadly got a release date one week before barbie and oppenheimer which i think really screwed it over and it made it flop at the box office but it's not a flop in my heart because that movie is so exciting, and it gets your blood pumping, and this stuff that you see on screen, you're not going to get in any other movie except for a, a Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise in it. And it also has a very relevant message about AI, so um, it's coming to streaming uh, soon, so everyone should give it a watch. Um, my third pick is Godzilla Minus uh, One. This is just a solid film, and 
I don't typically like monster movies, but this one, like, made me love, like, this genre, and it had characters that I could really empathize with, and their storylines mattered. Like, they weren't just some side plot filler before we got to see the monster. Like, they mattered. They, those characters were the heart of the story. Um, and also, Godzilla visually looked amazing in this movie. Um, my fourth pick is Past Lives. Um, Past Lives is one of the few movies that have made me cry, so I don't really cry easily. Um, but Past Lives made me cry, and I've had to rewatch it to get over like the ending. It's just so beautiful uh, and heartfelt, and I just love every part of it. Highly recommend. Um, my fifth pick is The Holdovers, and that's because even though the holidays are over, it's still a great time to watch this amazing movie because it is like the perfect Christmas film, but it's also like just a perfect film. It's, I don't, <laughs> I struggle to find the words because I just watched, I watched it and I was just like, that is perfect and I will be watching this movie like every Christmas. And it is on Peacock now, so go watch it. Uh, Paul Giamatti in it, <laughs> he's so good. And I absolutely love the actor who plays the teenage boy, I can't remember the name, but he's a newcomer and he does a very very good job. Um, so yeah, those are my top five picks for 2023. Hey, John, Stanford Clark here. You're so nice to include me on your 2023 recap episode. Here are five of my top films from 2023, and they're in no particular order except for my, my number one. So uh, first up is Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, this amazing and, you know, rather long, but still worth it, adaptation of David Grant's nonfiction book, uh, explores the murders of dozens of Osage people in Oklahoma, as you know, um, in the 1920s, and the societal treatment of the Osage tribe. Great performances from Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jesse Plemons, and I think it's just a particularly riveting performance by Lily Gladstone. This is such a great film. Um, I believe you can now watch it on Apple TV+. Next one is Past Lives which is directed by the Korean filmmaker Celine Song. I just really loved this melancholy and beautiful romantic drama that tells the story of two deeply connected childhood friends from South Korea who meet up 20 years later in New York City. Uh, Celine Song does such an excellent job with this film and just great performances from Greta Lee and Tao Yu, who are the childhood friends who meet up as adults years later. Just a, a terrific romantic drama. Um, you know, really love this film. Uh, next up is Barbie directed by Greta Gerwig. And, you know, what can be said that hasn't already been said about this film? This Battle of the Sexes movie is such a blast and is so colorful and so smart and just so funny. I had the best time at the theater seeing this film, too, so just just great stuff. Um, next is Godzilla Minus One, which is directed by Takashi Yamazaki. Uh, I'm just a sucker for Godzilla movies, uh, particularly those made in Japan. And I love this new entry into the canon, which is uh, a bit of a retro reset, placing the film's storyline in Tokyo just after the end of World War II. Uh, the Godzilla monster, which is CGI created, but it looks great. The special effects are terrific. And I, I love the script and the excellent ensemble cast. Uh, if you like Godzilla movies, and even if you don't, I think you should definitely check this one out. And my number one film is actually a short film. 
It's Once Upon a Studio from Walt Disney Animation Studios. Uh, over 500 animated characters, all, both hand-drawn and CGI, are included in this charming short of Mickey and Minnie Mouse courting a group portrait to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Studios. Uh, this is just pure charm, and if you love Disney animation like I do, it's just a must-see. I just can't recommend it highly enough. Um, you can stream this short on Disney+, Plus, and it's available for free on YouTube, on the Walt Disney Animation Studios YouTube channel, so check that out. So there you go, John. Just a couple of honorable mentions of films that I've just recently seen in January that were, I think, going to be 2023 20, films. But uh, again, I didn't see them until January, but I got to see American Fiction, which I thought was excellent, as well as The Boys in the Boat. Both very good films, just kind of a little uh, add-on for um, a couple of bonus films. So thank you, John. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Hello, everybody, and thank you, Jonathan, for inviting me to talk about my five favorite movies or movie-related things of the year 2023. I am Conrado Falco from the Criterion Project podcast. Um, and, of course, there were a lot of great movies this year. Killers of the Fire Moon, Oppenheimer, a lot of very popular, celebrated movies. But So I tried to talk about movies that I feel maybe people wouldn't have seen already or maybe even heard about uh, for my favorites. One of them is the movie Totem, which is a movie from Mexico. It is the Mexican entry for the Oscars this year. And it's a really beautiful, emotional movie about a family in Mexico, um, especially a young girl who is only seven years old. And she goes to her grandpa's house because there's going to be a big party for her father who has been you know, dealing with a very debilitating illness. And so he's been sick and staying at his dad's home for a while now. And we kind of see the whole preparation of the party, all the people who are coming and going and all the fam family drama from the perspective of this little girl. And I thought the movie was really special and really great at showing the world from the perspective of a child while taking that perspective very seriously, you know, not looking down on her. And that makes the movie extremely moving and very well observed. Every character in the movie, this is what struck me in particular, was that every single character who appears in this movie, and there's a lot of them who come in and out of that house, feels like a fully realized person with a lot of specificity to them. So I really couldn't recommend that enough. Totem, I think it's in theaters now in select cities, and I expect it will be available to stream pretty soon. The other movie is also from Latin America. My second movie is called The Delinquents, and that's from Argentina. I think that's right now available to stream on Mubi, if you have that. And it is a long movie. It's about, I think, almost three more maybe three hours long or something a really long movie it's a heist movie but it's the chillest slowest <laughs> heist movie you've ever seen um i don't know if that makes it sound enticing at all but it i found it delightful because it is the story about these guys in argentina who work at a bank and they realize there is a way that they can get away with stealing some money from the bank so that they don't have to work ever again and of course things don't quite go the way they plan and the movie is very creative. It's very playful because, like I said, it's it's a comedy first and foremost, even more so than a than a heist movie. And so, but it's a very slow. It has a very dry sense of humor. It has a very 
playful sense of humor. So if you just want to spend some time with these, you know, kind of like bumbling guys who are going on this non-adventure, you are really in for a treat um, going into some unexpected and, and kind of very moving places by the end of this movie. You know, I am a person who, who wishes he was able to, you know, not have to work ever again in your life. How beautiful would that be? And this movie is about a guy who feels the same way and, and whether or not he's able to fulfill that dream. My third movie is a short. It's a 39-minute short. People might have heard of it. They might have seen it already. It's available on Netflix, and it's called The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. It's directed by Wes Anderson, who is one of my favorite directors. He is adapting a Roald Dahl short story, and it stars... Uh, it has a great cast of, of mostly British actors. You have Ray Fiennes, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, Richard Ayoade. It's a really, really incredible story it's i think that wes anderson keeps getting more and more well more and more like himself as the movies goes on they just keeps creating this beautiful intricate looking you know doll houses story to, and this is really is like reading an illustrated story it's basically the text from the story itself being told to us by the the characters and and, and it's just absolutely magical. It feels like a magic trick to me to watch this movie because it really plays with theatricality and, and not realism at all. You know, like letting us know that we're being told the story. and that we, It felt really like watching one of the most incredible plays I had ever seen and with some of the most incredible visuals of the whole year. And again, a very moving story about a man who is a selfish man who somehow discovers something really deep about life in an unexpected way. So um, those would be my movies that I wanted to highlight. And then other than that, I wanted to highlight a couple podcasts because I listened to a lot of them. And there are two podcasts um, that I would like to recommend to the people listening. They're both from Canada, funnily enough. Uh, one of them, if you are at all into classic Hollywood movies, movies from classic Hollywood, and especially if you want to go into the deep cuts to watch and hear and talk about Hollywood movies that other people are not mentioning, then you have to listen to a podcast called There's Sometimes a Buggy. It is hosted by Dave Fior and Elise Moore. They are friends of my podcast. They have been on the Criterion Project as guests, and they were incredible guests. They're incredibly knowledgeable about cinema, especially when it comes to classic Hollywood. So I feel like I, every time I listen to them, I learn something new about classic Hollywood, and I hear about movies that I've never heard of before that sound absolutely fascinating, and I end up watching and discovering movies that I would have never watched otherwise. So if you are a classic Hollywood kind of person, then you have to listen to this podcast because it's just that good. And the other podcast that I wanted to recommend, finally, is The Important Cinema Club, which is hosted by uh, Justin DeClue and Will Sloan. And it's also from Canada. It's a podcast where they talk about all kinds of movies from all kinds of different places in the world and that really is what is so great about them because they will talk about everything and they have a passion for a wide variety of cinema. They will talk from things like Jean-Luc Godard and art cinema. They will talk about Steven Seagal and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They will talk about the Three Stooges. They will talk about Looney Tunes. They will talk about filmmakers from all over the world. They really want to go for as wide a variety of topics as possible. And that's what makes it so great because that's another way that I discover 
all kinds of movies from all kinds of places that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. I'm really appreciative for that. So in conclusion, movies, Totem, The Delinquents, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, Podcasts, There is Sometimes a Buggy, and The Important Cinema Club. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a happy new year. Hello, my name is Christian Paestrup. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Christian Paste one I am private, so if you do want to follow me, I will have to approve you. But I'm, I'm here basically to give some recommendations that uh, films that I watched here in 2023 for Jonathan. So I'm going to start with my number five, Chevalier. This was a really interesting biopic about this musician uh, during the French Revolution uh, with Calvin Harrison Jr. playing the musician. I really loved this one. I thought it was very stylish and interesting, sort of kind of uncovering this undersung individual during the revolution, kind of all of his amazing accomplishments. Like, the movie opens with, like, him beating Mozart in a duel of music. Really fun one. Again, I love Harrison's performance, just really emotive and expressive physically. Really, really enjoyed it. Um... My number four would be Susume, the new uh, anime film from Makoto Shinkai, who did Your Name. Really good one, really crazy sort of story, but I really liked it. I liked its focus on Japan's history with natural disasters. It has a very, like, hopeful message. I was crying at the end. Really pretty movie. Went really undersung against, like, you know, the new Miyazaki and Spider-Verse and Ninja Turtles and all that. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. For number three, I'm going to get a little more maybe obscure. Uh, this film's called No Bears. It's an Iranian film about Iranian guerrilla filmmaking and sort of what is the ethics of telling film? How does that play out? Sort of at what point does filmmaking get you into trouble? Really just interesting, nuanced film on, well, the nature of filmmaking and its ethics. And I, again, I really enjoyed it. My number two would be Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, the film adaptation of the classic Judy Bloom novel. Just absolutely loved this one. A very, like, warm hug of a movie. I loved how thoughtful it was on religion, on faith, but also, you know, as a coming-of-age story. I think what I loved about it is it kind of posits that we are always kind of coming-of-age, not just something that you, you deal with when you're a kid or anything. A lot of great performances in it. The the big one everyone's talking about. Rachel McAdams is phenomenal in it as Margaret's mother. There's a lot of kindness with her. There's also a lot of sadness. But she just she she balances the two emotions out just beautifully. And yeah, just really solid one. My number one recommendation for anyone though would be the film Linoleum uh, with Jim Gaffigan in it. I won't say anything besides, like, the general premise, um, but it's basically this Jim Gaffigan plays this children's television show host um, who, like, does, like, a Bill Nye science show type thing, and he loses his job, and he then kind of comes up with this crazy idea to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming an astronaut and building his own rocket. That's kind of the general premise, but it's one that I would say go into knowing as little as possible, it's very much like a Charlie Kaufman-esque kind of ride. It's intentionally kind of convoluted and confusing in spots, but it absolutely crushes it in the third act when it sort of reveals what it's about and what it truly is. 
And, like, just ended up being one of the most interesting and original sci-fi films I've seen in a long time. It was just, just absolutely sobbing during the end of it, but in the best way possible. Just this really interesting film on the nature of memory and our unfulfilled dreams. How, like, how our identities are formed from other people. I, I won't go into much beyond that. It's one you have to kind of experience to believe. But yeah, that would be my number one pick, I would say. So yeah, those are my recommendations. Again, Christian Paystrup, and I'll leave Jonathan to the rest of it. Okay, so beyond all our favorite movies, TV, and breakfast cereals, I also wanted to talk a bit about some of my favorite podcasts from the last year. Podcasts that we made, not just podcasts in general. The number of podcasts I listen to is an ever-shifting list that I am unprepared to categorize. So for my favorite episodes that I made with my friends, I'm going to put together a playlist on YouTube, so if you want to catch up on all my favorites, you can listen to them on my main channel. I'll have that linked in the description. First up, my first proper movie episode of the year was talking about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace with Nikki from Trivial Theater. We're trying to get through all the Star Wars films, and I really wanted to make it through the prequels this past year, but that was not to be. This year we definitely will, though. Revenge of the Sith is already recorded. On every version ever, the first story we focused on in 2023 was Pinocchio, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and we kicked off that series with a look at the three versions from 2022, including the terrible version from Russia, Pinocchio, A True Story. I was joined by Nikki and Katie for that one, and we had so much fun talking about that train wreck. Then to redeem things, we covered what is now probably my favorite adaptation of Pinocchio of all time, Guillermo del Toro's version. I was joined by Sarah, Eli, and Katie for that one, and we had an epic two-hour discussion on everything in that movie. It is packed with details, so we had so much to talk about. And then a movie my friend Jenna had suggested we do for a podcast was The Princess and the Goblin from the early 90s, which is a rather obscure movie that was like trying to mimic Disney's success at the time. I'd never seen it, so it was really fun to talk to Jenna about it as she grew up with the film. And then this past year, I also hit 100 episodes on every version ever, and to celebrate, I had back one of my first guests from long before I'd even started podcasting, my cousin Shayna. And she had gotten married since the last time she'd been on the show, so her husband Eric joined us. And of course, Sarah, who is Shana's sister, has been my most frequent co-host since before every version ever was a thing, so she had to join us for the big 100 milestone, too. And for that one, we talked about the VeggieTales version of Pinocchio, Pistachio, the little boy who wouldn't. An episode that kind of came out of the blue happened in April when a lost film that Jenna and I had talked about years ago resurfaced, a 1989 short film called Phantasmagoria, based on the Lewis Carroll poem of the same name, was made available after being thought lost for years, and Jenna actually helped make that happen, so we had to talk about it. Then my friend Conrado joined me to talk about the movie AI, Artificial Intelligence. That's one of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies, and I've been wanting to cover it for years. I sort of used my Pinocchio series as an excuse to cover it, but I didn't really need an excuse, I, just, I wanted to do it regardless. During that discussion, we also talked about covering an authentic Italian version of Pinocchio, so Conrado also came back at the end of the series to talk about Roberto Benigni's adaptation, and we had a lot of fun with that one too. And then in between those two episodes with Conrado, Nikki and I were joined by A.J. Howell to talk about a movie that I've been wanting to see for years, ever since I saw it as a poster on the wallpaper of my local theater's bathroom, 1942's Cat People. It's such a random place to find inspiration for a podcast episode, but we had a really fun discussion, and I'm glad I finally got to see it. Then Katie joined me to talk about a short film that she had actually had the opportunity to animate on, Cat and Moth. She'd been telling me for a couple of years about working on it, but it hadn't been available to watch anywhere. As soon as it hit the web, we had to do a podcast and talk about her experience. 
After that, Katie and I counted down our favorite animated films from 2022, and we had so many I had to split it into two episodes, otherwise it would have been three hours long. Then for Christmas in July, I did something I've wanted to do for years, every version ever of The Nutcracker. Obviously, we couldn't quite get to all of them, but I managed to do quite a few. One of my favorites was when Jenna suggested we do another rather obscure film from her childhood, The Nutcracker Prince. And then at the end of July, I got to do another thing I've wanted to do for ages, transition from one series on every version ever to the next with a two-parter, which is a very weirdly specific thing to want to do, but I've been trying to think of ways I could do that for a while, and I finally found a way to do it using the Care Bears. Shana came back to talk about the Care Bears Nutcracker Suite, and then we used that to transition into a series on Alice in Wonderland with the Care Bears in Wonderland. Another thing I've wanted to do for a while is talk about the early series of shorts from Walt Disney starring Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Jenna, Mark, and Eli all joined me for an extremely long conversation, talking about Oswald all the way from the 1920s to today. And then another fun episode was talking about Hanna-Barbera's Alice in Wonderland, otherwise known as What's a Nice Kid Like You Doing in a Place Like This, which is a very long title, but that's what it's called. Sarah and Mark joined me for that episode, and we had such a fun discussion. And then after I finished out the Alice in Wonderland series, I moved on to another story I've wanted to do for ages, Cinderella. My friend Lisa joined me for an epic three-part series looking at all three versions of Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. We had so much fun, and we're probably going to do more Cinderella episodes later this year at some point, so stay tuned. In October, my friend Sam joined me once more to talk about one of her favorite films of all time, Ridley Scott's Legend. I'd never seen it before, and Sam had grown up with it since she was like five, so it was a lot of fun to talk about it with her. Then in November, Nikki and I finally moved on to the second Star Wars prequel, Attack of the Clones. That one is my favorite of the trilogy, so I'm glad we finally got to it. And then for Christmas, of course, I had to do more versions of A Christmas Carol, but I wanted to make sure that wasn't all I did, so Mark joined me to talk about one of his favorite childhood Christmas movies, Arthur's Perfect Christmas, and Nikki joined me to talk about an obscure Mexican Christmas film from 1959 simply called Santa Claus, except it's more widely known as Santa Claus vs. the Devil, and yes, it is as weird as it sounds. Of course, I did close out the year with Christmas carols, and my favorite two for the year was an episode I did with Eli and Katie on the movie Bah Humduck, a Looney Tunes Christmas, and originally finishing out the year, I was joined by Nikki from Trivial Theater and Dan from TYTD Reviews to talk about Rod Sterling's A Carol for Another Christmas. It was a rather bleak way to end the year, which I wasn't expecting, but I really enjoyed talking about it with Dan and Nikki, and I'm glad we finally covered that one. But that turned out not to be all. Midway through December, I had the random idea of doing an episode on all the animated Christmas specials releasing this year, so I got Katie on board to do that with me. But then I started making our list, and I realized there was a lot more new animated specials than I expected, so we ended up doing four episodes. By far, my favorite thing to come out of that miniseries was the discovery of Merry Little Batman. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It is one of the funniest movies I've seen all year. I think I watched it three times in the span of about a week or two, which is completely out of character for me. Normally I wait months before rewatching things. I almost never rewatch anything within a week of watching it the first time, let alone twice, but that movie was just hilarious, exactly what I needed over the holiday season, and I kept having to show it to people. We ended the year with an episode on the Disney Plus specials, but that episode ended up being so much fun because we found one of the strangest Disney specials ever, and had such a fun conversation out of that. Plus, it turned out to be the 200th episode of the iHeartMovies podcast, so what a way to close out the year. Now, moving on to my updates and announcements, I started doing this kind of thing last year. In previous years, I'd just posted social media stats on Twitter on January 1st, and then retweeted the previous year to see how far I'd come, but I don't really care about social media anymore. I haven't really posted much anywhere but Instagram in months, so I've transitioned this idea into talking more about the content I made than how many followers I have. I'll still talk about subscriber numbers because I do find that interesting, but outside of that, 
I don't care how many people follow me on Twitter. So on January 1st, 2023, I was at 430 subscribers on my main channel, and as of January 1st, 2024, I'm at 548. That's a growth of 118 subscribers compared to a growth of 79 from the previous year. On every version ever, I was at 282 subscribers, and I had seen a pretty substantial gain that year, jumping 211 subscribers from just 71 at the beginning of 2022. I started this year with 429, so I gained 147 over 2023. I was thinking with the massive growth from the previous year that every version ever was on track to bypass the main channel, but that still hasn't happened. I suppose it could still happen, but I think the main channel saw a lot steadier growth in the last few months of 2023, so it might stay ahead. We'll see what happens. In 2022, I started the Disney Movie Marathon podcast, and by the beginning of 2023, I only had 7 subscribers, and as of January 1st, I'm at 49. But like I said last year, most episodes get more views than I have subscribers, which is not always the case on iHeartMovies and every version ever, though they definitely have improved on views in the past year. Now for the episode stats of each show, this year I made 46 episodes of iHeartMovies, 35 episodes of every version ever, and 40 episodes of the Disney Movie Marathon. Of course, a lot of these episodes are shared between the shows, and a lot of the new Disney podcast was still trying to catch up to the main podcast, so in total, the number of brand new episodes I made in 2023 across all three shows is 49, which is a bit down from the previous year's 57, but with how busy I've been, I'm actually surprised I managed to put out almost an episode a week all year. So while things on YouTube are doing pretty good, on the audio front, things aren't going quite as great. On the Disney Movie Marathon last year, I was monetized almost immediately after launching. For some reason, my Pinocchio live-action remake episode blew up. Still no idea why. And from that point on, I was getting a very respectable amount of listeners, and I hit the criteria for monetization right away. And then Spotify changed the eligibility criteria, and I'm back to not earning any money. I had also been monetized on every version ever, but the listens on that one tapered out even before the monetization criteria changed, so either way, on the audio-only front, things are a bit meh. However, YouTube added a new podcast feature to their site this past year, so I do have new listeners through that, which I think in part has been driving my growth this past year. It's also potentially the reason for the higher growth in the last month of the year as well. I launched a second podcast on the main channel, The Christmas Movie Marathon, and it's been getting a surprising amount of views. Granted, my views always go up around the holidays, so I cannot say for sure, but I'd like to think that the new podcast was having some effect. Which brings me to iHeart Animation. So besides the Christmas Movie Marathon launch at the end of the year, I also launched another new podcast mid-year, but this one was on its own dedicated YouTube channel. I spun off my long-running sub-series iHeart Animation. I've been doing iHeart Animation since long before I started iHeart Movies. I think I started that in 2018. It was one of the first series I did. And I've got a huge library of episodes on my main channel. So in an attempt to make it its own standalone show, apart from everything else I do, as well as trying to play to the demands of the almighty, unknowable, all-seeing algorithm, I started a new channel, and over the last six months or so of 2023, I was slowly building up the library of all the past episodes. The new channel was not growing very quickly, but I was not expecting it to. Every version ever took a couple of years to really take off, so I wasn't sweating it. I didn't care. However, once I launched the Christmas Movie Marathon, my thinking changed. Now, like I said, it is very possible that was all because of the holiday season, but the Christmas Movie Marathon seems to have taken off quite well in terms of listens and views, and the number of subscribers to the main channel was increasing a little steadier in December. So, despite the months of work I spent setting up animation as its own separate YouTube channel, I've decided to scrap it all. 
that channel will be going away, but the podcast will live on. It'll just be on the main channel now, which is probably fitting since it was started there and it predates all of my current podcasts. And really, thanks to YouTube's new podcast feature, it is really actually much easier to start a podcast using the existing channel than to start a new one from scratch. I should have done it that way from the beginning, but oh well. Rather than separate everything out, I'm just leaning into the main channel. I'm rebranding a bit. My channel will look more like a podcast hub with multiple different shows rather than just focusing on iHeartMovies. And then any future podcasts, they're just going to run off the main channel as well. Not planning to start any new channels. I will also be uploading any animation-focused episodes that I may have made for my other two channels that didn't make it to the main podcast. There aren't a ton, but a lot of times when I was covering something really obscure on every version ever, I would only release it there, like two anime versions of Little Women from the 70s. Plus, there were several episodes that I made originally to be exclusive for the Disney Movie Marathon, but now that I'm going to be giving more focus to iHeart Animation, I want those episodes to be on this new relaunched version as well, so I'm moving them over. And speaking of relaunching an old show as a new podcast, I'm also going to be doing the same thing with Wonderland Wednesday. I think literally all I have to do is click a button in the playlist settings, so that change is a no-brainer. With this consolidation and having to re-upload older episodes from the other podcasts, going forward I'm thinking I will do a lot fewer podcasts exclusively for one show. Maybe if there's something extremely obscure, like the time Eli and I covered a classroom educational video starring Ray Bolger for my Peter and the Wolf series on Every Version Ever, I guess something like that can just be for Every Version Ever because I don't think anybody else is going to care. But aside from some few really random obscure things, I think everything is just going to get uploaded to the main channel regardless of what podcast it's for. Along the same lines, the audio podcast feed for iHeartMovies will also be changing to something more all-encompassing. I'm thinking of rebranding to the iHeart Animation and Movies podcast, and most every podcast that goes on the main channel will also go there. I decided not to start a dedicated iHeart Animation audio podcast feed, partly because I don't want the hassle of uploading way over 100 old episodes to the new feed. Plus, I get way more views and listens on YouTube anyway, so I don't think a new audio feed is worth the trouble. I used to be all about really trying to separate everything out and curate every feed, but I think I've come to the conclusion that that takes more time than it's worth, and sometimes it just kind of takes the fun out of things a bit for me, so I'm leaning into the main channel and consolidating my podcasts. I will still keep up the curated feeds for every version ever in the Disney Movie Marathon, but I think they've been going long enough that they've developed their own unique audiences, and on YouTube, every version ever is doing well in terms of subscribers and people coming back to watch old videos, and the Disney Movie Marathon is doing well in terms of views, so I think they can live on their own as long as there continues to be an audience for them. Now, another change for the coming year is that I'm not going to have a set schedule. I will aim for one, but I will not bend over backwards to keep it. In the past, I've really tried to have a dedicated schedule. All the top YouTube gurus tell you that you have to have a schedule, you must upload at the same time every week, don't deviate or you lose your audience, and I've done my best to take that to heart, and it always falls apart in a few months. Plus, it kind of takes the fun out of things, trying to scramble to meet a self-inflicted deadline, especially when I have a ton of stuff going on in real life. So this year, I'm making no promises other than that I will try to make sure I don't go without a new episode for more than two weeks at a time. But even that's going to be flexible if something comes up in real life. 
On the main channel, I'll be tentatively aiming for an episode a week, and on every version ever in the Disney Movie Marathon, I'll be putting a lot more focus on each miniseries, and a lot less focus on trying to do an episode every week. On every version ever, I'll be continuing as usual, choosing a new story every couple months, and releasing one episode a week until I decide to move on to the next one, with hopefully not more than a week or two off here and there. Tentative plans for the year are The Wind in the Willows, Peter Pan, more episodes in my Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland series, and hopefully, if I have time, some new episodes in my War of the Worlds series, which I haven't done for years. There are a couple of versions I would really like to get to, but again, no guarantees, best laid plans and all that. When I start a new miniseries, I will try to not release any episodes until I have most of them already recorded. That way I can release mostly weekly once I start and not have to take more than a week off here and there. But I'm not going to make any guarantees about each new miniseries starting immediately after the previous one finishes. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee at least a week break, if not two, between each series. It'll just depend on my real-life schedule. I've also been tossing around the idea of potentially doing one-off episodes here and there, things that are an adaptation of something, but it's the only one of its kind. I have no definite plans for that yet, but every once in a while I'll come across a book adaptation that I think would make for a good Every Version Ever miniseries, and then discover that it's only ever been adapted once. If that happens this year, I might just go ahead and cover it if it's something I really want to do, and then slip it in between two mini-series as a way to give myself a bit more time to finish episodes for the next batch. We'll see what happens. On the Disney Movie Marathon, you'll probably still get random one-off episodes here and there between series, but for the most part I want to mostly focus on the official Disney canon and work on mini-series based around whichever one comes next. First up will be Alice in Wonderland, followed by Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, etc. As I've done before, each miniseries will have episodes dedicated to the movie itself, and then the following episodes will focus on spin-off media sequels, prequels, remakes, TV shows, etc. And when I have a series ready to go, I'll probably schedule it out to release one episode a week, every week until the end. But like I said, no guarantees. If I need to take off a week in the middle, I will. And as I did a few times last year, I'll also be including Disney-adjacent episodes here and there, especially when I'm also covering the main film on every version ever. Either movies or shows relating to the miniseries at hand that might be of interest to Disney fans, or maybe one-off episodes here and there that relate to Disney in some way, even if they weren't movies released by the company. Like I did with the Princess and the Goblin episode last year. For example, when I get to the Peter Pan miniseries, I'll also be covering Hook, the 1993 Robin Williams, Steven Spielberg film, which is not Disney, even though it is occasionally mistaken for being Disney. And I'll also be covering the 2003 adaptation of Peter Pan, which I don't know if anybody mistakes that one for Disney, but it was certainly targeting the audience. As with every version ever, between each miniseries will be a break, plus potentially a one-off episode or two, but I don't want to stress about maintaining a regular schedule. Sometimes with my real-life schedule, that's just not going to be possible. Plus, one thing that I've noticed about a lot of my own personal favorite movie podcasts, some of them either have no schedule at all, or they only release once a month, or they'll release weekly for a while and then fully disappear for months at a time. And I still come back to listen to those when they have new stuff, so I'm not going to worry about losing my audience if I need to take some time off. This really is just my hobby, and I want to make sure it stays fun. But on that note, if you do want to help make sure I can keep a regular schedule or even increase my output, I do have a Patreon you can help support. Like I mentioned earlier, with as many Christmas episodes as I did last month, I actually hired an editor for several of them. And if I could afford to hire her more often, I definitely would make more episodes. I have a couple Patreon levels available, but the main thing I'm offering is access to extended and bonus episodes. A lot of times me and my co-host will go off on random tangents that are really fun, but usually have nothing to do with the topic at hand, and I end up cutting them for time. But I make sure to save a version of that podcast with all the tangents intact to share on Patreon. So if that sounds fun to you, make sure to check those out.
Another change I will likely be making in the coming year is less focused on trying to make sure the releases all line up perfectly across all my podcasts. Like when I did my Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella miniseries with Lisa, I waited until the perfect moment to release it so that I could do a simultaneous release on every single channel and podcast feed. And I do like trying to make a release like that work, and I probably will still try from time to time, but I have to say, doing it that way last year really threw me off. It almost made me decide to skip doing Christmas stuff in December because I was in the middle of Cinderella and I didn't want to stop. If I just started earlier on one channel and then fit them in where I could on the others, I probably could have made things a lot easier on myself, and this year I'm going to do that likely starting with my Peter Pan miniseries. You probably noticed that I mentioned Peter Pan as a miniseries for both every version ever and the Disney movie marathon, and I've actually had four episodes of that recorded literally for months. I think the first episodes were recorded back in May. I've had them for a while, but partly because of me trying to make sure all the schedules align perfectly for everything, I never found a way to fit it in, and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, until finally I just decided to wait until 2024. So, I'm done with that. The Peter Pan series will probably be one of the first things I release this year on every version ever, as I have several standalone episodes to release in the main podcast first, so it'll get it next, and then it will come to the Disney Movie Marathon after I've gotten through the Alice in Wonderland series. So as much as I like making sure everything lines perfectly, I can't be waiting till the perfect moment for a cross-platform multi-podcast simultaneous release. Some things are just going to get early releases on one podcast and then come out later on the others. So if you're only subscribed to one of my podcasts, feel free to subscribe to the others. Everything will eventually come to the main channel, but depending on what I'm working on at any given moment, sometimes you'll get an early release if you're subscribed to all three. Or if you don't care when you get certain episodes, just subscribe to the main channel. That's your best bet for getting everything. Okay, I think that's all my updates for 2024. Thank you so much for all your support this past year. I've had so much fun podcasting with my friends, and we're looking forward to making more episodes for you in the next year. New episodes will be coming soon. After I get the older episodes uploaded, I'll probably have at least one new episode out on the main channel next week, and then new episodes will start coming out on every version ever in the Disney Movie Marathon soon after that. So, thanks for listening. We will see you soon on whichever podcast you're listening.